The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour with Josh Dunn and Anshu Khanna. You are now in the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. I am Josh Dunn. I am joined, as always, by my co-host Anshu Khanna. Anshu, Week 8 is behind us. As is the trade deadline as we look ahead to week nine, and it was much ado about nothing. But before we get to that, how are you feeling this week? Feeling pretty good. Pretty excited for what should be a momentous weekend with my good buddy Josh Dunn out in Lake Tahoe. So pretty hyped. Getting real. It's definitely going to be more eventful than this trade deadline. I could promise you that. Yeah, and it's only fitting that uh, this weekend falls on the Bengals' bye week. I don't have to pay any <laughs> attention to the Bengals, and we'll get to some of the news with them. But we do want to get to Week 9. Before we do, I mean, obviously there were a lot of names thrown around there this week, aren't you? And as we get to the games, we'll be looking at the lines on BovadaSportsBook.com. But before we get to that, I just wanted to hear your thoughts. There were a lot of names thrown around. I know you would have loved to see A.J. Green in green and yellow. That doesn't happen, and really not much else does. I, this trade deadline, I, th- I think that the, the Bengals benching of Andy Dalton may have been the biggest news of this trade deadline day. <laughs> it really was. I mean, basically the Rams sell Akib Tlaib's IR slot to the Dolphins. And then, yeah, I mean, I by far the most news that was made was a trade that didn't happen with Jamal Adams uh, possibly going from the Jets to the Cowboys. But other than that, yeah, Dalton being benched for Ryan Finley on a team that's not starting, that's not playing this week, as you alluded to, and, you know, is Owen, what, Owen 7 or Owen 8. So, Owen yeah, eight. I mean, it's Owen Imagine so, it yeah. being worse and you can <laughs> Pretty, pretty uneventful, unfortunately. Yeah, so not a lot going on there, but there is a lot going on in Week 9. We've got some big games, and uh, this is a week that should be pivotal for the remainder of the season. Obviously, we're kind of at that halfway point. So uh, we're going to go through each game as we do every week. I think we did miss the Falcons game last week, so our apologies on that. There was no lineup, and it was because of the injury to Matt Schaub, so, or to uh, Matt Ryan, I should say. Um, but we will definitely touch on every game this week and not make that same mistake again. Uh, not that I, I don't know that we have a big Atlanta following on this show, but uh, nonetheless, <laughs> we want to make sure we hit them all, and we're going to do that. So let's start with Thursday night football. We've got the 49ers on the road taking on the Cardinals. And aren't you obviously the story here is the Niners being undefeated, but the other story here is the Cardinals are really hurting in the backfield, and one of the trades that does take place is they go out and they pick up Kenyon Drake from the Miami Dolphins, who we expected to be sellers, and at least in that situation they were. But the Niners still come in as four-point favorites on Bovada here as we look toward this game on Thursday. Yeah, Niners have, you know, maybe been the biggest story of this first half. The fact that they get to go on the road and be four-point favorites speaks volumes to me about what, you know, Vegas thinks of this team, what the betting public thinks about this team, and really what this team is in the, in San Francisco. 
like you said, Kenyon Drake on the other side, I mean, it, it's going to be tough for him to get going. I'm excited for him to be in that offense in general, especially if David Johnson is out longer term. But, you know, it's this what the Niners have been this year has been basically the worst matchup in football against opposing running backs. And, you know, tough to imagine it getting going. We talked about Cliff Kings very last week and how he's done so, so well at, you know, creating opportunities for these two backs. Um, and so I expect Kenyon Drake to have similar numbers down the line, but this is just, it's a bad spot for him for sure. Yeah. And I quoted the first half spread, obviously I was looking at that and I was like, four does not sound right. And it's because I didn't read it right. Uh, so the spread is actually 10. Yeah. And I, that, that is, I was going to say, cause I took them in my survivor pool, like two days ago and they were like nine and a half point favorites. So if it moved that much, I must've missed something. Maybe Garoppolo has <laughs> had a night on the town or I don't know, missed something, <laughs> but, uh, but nonetheless, I, I was wrong. And I thank God because uh, the Niners are 10 point favorites. And I agree with you on you. And you talk about their ability to stop the run and their ability to run the football on the other side has been amazing. I mean, Tevin Coleman, three rushing touchdowns finishes with four total. You know, I'm, I'm a guy who sat Tevin Coleman in favor of, uh, Sony Michelle last week, which uh, that's two bonehead mistakes for me. Uh, following up Aaron Rodgers benching in favor of Tom Brady and then taking Sony Michelle. What is wrong with me? The Patriots, I guess I just am too high on them. But uh, big big mistake there. But Tevin Coleman now kind of the 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 the, the one middle head of this three headed monster in San Francisco, and it looks like they could be without Brita. We'll see. And Mostert also had an injury in that game, but they're all pr- being productive when they're touching the ball, and that's that's pretty good to see if you're a Niners fan, especially when they can't throw it that well. No doubt. I mean, I'm still waiting. I know we both are still waiting on that Jimmy Garoppolo game. You know, I mean, I I believe in Kyle Shanahan. I think that, you know, he'll get it together in in a big moment with Jimmy. But, you know, we just haven't seen that. So it's hard to know what it's going to look like when they play a good team. And, you know, they might play a good team here in a couple weeks against the Packers. They have them uh, in week 12. But until then, you know, not. I mean, it's going to be. We we have no feel. They have Seattle at home. I guess that could be an interesting test for them for Jimmy. But until that point, I mean, Tevin Coleman seems like a borderline RB one at this point, given especially with Matt Breida's injuries. So yeah, I mean, it's interesting spot here for them. Yeah, and you would expect Kenyon Drake in leagues he's not picked up to be one of the top waiver pickups this week. I know we have a deep league and he's already taken, but in a lot of leagues, he'll still be available and he should get a pretty heavy workload. Obviously it's on a short week and he's just now getting, getting the playbook of a somewhat intricate offense, but nonetheless, yeah. Kenyon Drake should get a, a decent workload, even with the, uh, the couple additions that they've made uh, in Arizona. All right, let's move to the game in uh, London and it's at Wembley again. So you would imagine there's still some Bengal Tiger blood on the field, but the Texans will take on the Jaguars. The Jaguars are the home team. Uh, I put that in quotations. And Jacksonville will come in as two-point underdogs on Bovada, and probably for good reason, but you never know what to expect in London unless the Bengals are playing. You kind of know they're going to get spanked. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, unfortunately, I guess so. But, yeah, that, it's should be an inter- another interesting one. That, like, what do we make of this Jaguars team? Do do we think they can go on the, I mean, abroad and win this game against a Texans team that now is without J.J. Watt and suddenly this game turns into, you know, a huge spot in the AFC South? I mean, who would have guessed without J.J. Watt, without Jalen Ramsey, without Nick Foles at the beginning of this season um, that this would be this type of game of, of this type of magnitude? I, I'm actually really interested in, uh, in what happens here. I, I mean, Without Ramsey, the Jaguars have given up a lot more yards. And so I think, you know, with Watson, 
and Hopkins, you're looking at, you know, a potentially big day there for that Houston offense again. Yeah, and I saw a stat. I can't remember exactly who the names on the list were, but uh, the the pace that DJ Chark Jr. is on this year and who who his company would have been, and it was like Randy Moss and, I mean, just like six other seven names that are all in the Hall of Fame. It was absolutely amazing with the the pace that he's on in his second season. And you just – nobody expected it coming into this year. Uh, And the the connection that he has with Gardner Minshew has just been something to kind of watch from afar and appreciate. But it'll be interesting to see if he can keep this up going down the stretch because those names all did. And I just don't know that DJ Chark is that caliber of a receiver. But nonetheless, I mean, he's putting up huge numbers. He's got 660 and six touchdowns. Uh, So his pace right now is over 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns, which is pretty amazing for a guy who's only in his second season and nobody really knew his name coming into this year. Yeah, I mean, he did nothing as a rookie either, even though he went in the second round out of LSU and does have incredible athletic tools, just not very productive in college, not very productive productive as a rookie. It took getting the sixth rounder, Gardner Minshew, to, to get him going. And that's I think it's it's impressive as it's a testament to both he and Minshew. The other factor to consider here and the reason why I think that Chark could potentially continue this run is injuries to D.D. Westbrook and Marquise Lee leaves Chark as by far their best receiver. Chris Conley, another kind of a similar type of receiver to DJ Chark in in terms of his size and speed. Had a good game last week. I expect him to continue having good games. I think that he might even be worth a start in certain flex leagues. So Chris Conley, an interesting look as well, just considering how much they like to pass with John Filippo in that offense. I don't hate that call out. What about Washington at Buffalo? Buffalo coming off quite an embarrassing outing. Uh, They are nine and a half point favorites. We don't know what's going to happen with Washington as far as their quarterback situation going into this week. Uh, But nonetheless, Bovada was comfortable enough to put a lineup with the the Bills being favored by 10. And whether or not uh, Case Keenum recovers from the concussion or we end up seeing Dwayne Haskins, uh, I think regardless, this Washington team should struggle. But Dwayne Haskins has just not looked good in short short amount of time so far this year. No, he's looked really bad, actually. And, uh, you know, a little bit surprising. I actually thought that he might be the best one of the rookie bunch, and early on at least. And, um, you know, especially playing with his top receiver in college. In Terry McLaurin, I, I mean, it's been ugly. This Bills team... Um, you know, you got to think they'll be out for blood after the way that last week went against the Eagles, like you alluded to. And, um, you know, just tough to start any Washington player right now. I mean, McLaurin, you know, Adrian Peterson, any of them, especially against this Bills defense. So complete, complete stay away for me. And if you've got the Bills defense, if you're fortunate enough to have them, I think they're a good bet to be the number one defense this week. Yeah, the, line, the over-under line there set at 36.5. That is going to be by far the lowest of the week and probably mm. one of the lowest we've seen all season as well. Yeah, that's true. And I, I'm i not sure I feel good about the the over either. I mean, it's not like Washington's defense is – I mean, it's not good, but it's not like the Bills are going to hang, you know, 30, 35 points up. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I don't think I'd bet it, but I'd lean towards the under on that. Yeah, which is <laughs> sad considering Crazy. the number. This game is maybe the game of the week. It's a shame that it got the 12 o'clock slot. That's the Vikings at the Chiefs, and we still don't know whether Mahomes is going to be back. It's looking more and more doubtful, even though there was hope that he would be back. 
uh, as as he kind of practices last week and looks like he's ahead of schedule. But they'll probably sit him out for at least one more game. But nonetheless, I mean, this is at Arrowhead. This is a game the Chiefs really could use. Uh, but the Vikings starting to pick up offensively, and the defenses look better as well. So what do you expect here? Obviously, I know you'd like to see the Vikings lose for personal self-interest, but uh, what do you see out of this game here on, on the docket? And obviously the line here, not on Bovada because of what we don't know, what we don't know and that's, that's whether or not we'll see Patrick Mahomes. Right, good point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the Vikings with the mini-buy are going to give the Chiefs a lot of trouble, if, obviously, if Mahomes doesn't play. If he does, all bets are off. I, I think that the Vikings' defense is good, not great. And so a guy like Mahomes, is, especially at home, is, would be fine. But a guy like Matt Moore is much less likely to be fine, especially against a Mike Zimmer defense, which is better than the Mike Pettin defense Matt Moore saw last week. So um, if they play the Minnesota team, you know, without their quarterback, I, I think that the Vikings have a good shot at it. Love all the receivers. Adam Thielen will be back. You'd like you'd assume. And um, if that's the case, I expect him to have a big game for Kansas city. I mean, I, I just, I'm not sure you can start anyone, but I mean, I guess you have to start Tyree kill if it's Matt Moore and, and probably Travis Kelsey, but you're not feeling great about it from a DFS perspective. I'm probably not starting any of them. LaShawn McCoy has another fumble last week, and it led to even more Damian Williams um, after we thought that maybe he was isolated out of that backfield. Just, you know, not an easy situation to figure, as you would assume, when the MVP goes out. Um, but for Minnesota, yeah, I mean, if you got them, you start them, right? Any of those three guys, uh, Thielen, Diggs, and Dalvin Cook, of course. Yeah, and the Chiefs, uh, I mean, as, for as many weapons as they have, they're kind of a mess right now without Mahomes. I don't know. I mean, obviously you watched the game last week, but uh, mm-hmm. that clock management down the stretch was just, it was pretty embarrassing. I, I, I couldn't figure out why Andy Reid calls the timeout there with 241, or I think it was 241 left on yep. the clock. Where if you, right. if you don't call that timeout, they're forced to run another play before the two-minute warning. I just – I was kind of baffled by that and we you know we, we always hear about how bad he is in, in, in clock management and how great of a coach he is. But I was a little bit surprised by that. They probably lose that game anyway. But they're definitely reeling and, and – this, this to me is just crazy. They're one and three at home right now, aren't you? This is the team that we talk about so, year in and year out having the best or one of the top two or three home field advantages. They can't win at home right now. Those are their only three losses. That's crazy. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, beyond that, you know, they if Matt Moore's not playing, they're going to be, you know, underdogs in this game as well. And they could potentially go to one and four or be favored to do that. The good thing for them is, you know, they're in a division that they have not want to say locked up. I mean, they would basically be a game up if the Raiders were to beat the Lions this weekend. But they feel like they're well ahead in that division and that they can afford to bench Mahomes for a week. All right, let's move on to Jets-Dolphins. No lineup for this one either. Now, we are recording early in the week. I think the reason behind this one is they were these teams were both supposed to be sellers at the trade deadline. The Dolphins mm-hmm. trade Aqib Tlaib, that's about, or for Aqib Tlaib in the salary dump that you mentioned earlier. But outside of that, Anshu, there wasn't a lot to come from either of these teams. Uh, Jets are favorites. They're favored by three points as you look on uh, some other sites. But like I said, Bovada is keeping this one away, and it's probably because of that deadline here earlier today. Yeah, and or they just want to stay away from the stink that is a combined one in thirteen between these two teams. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's ugly. It's it's. Uh, I, I mean if if they can't if Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson can't get right here, I would be very nervous about the Jets going forward. They have a very easy schedule. They play the Dolphins two times in the next month, but man, if they can't do it here, 
Um, you know, in a climate controlled matchup here against Miami, I, I just don't know that they're going to get it going. So, uh, I, I mean, and it's going to be interesting to see how today's trade deadline stuff with the Jets affects them. I mean, they, they basically put feelers out on every single one of their guys. Um, you know, after the, after the deadline, Jamal Adams was very upset with Joe Bell? Douglas and Le'Veon Bell was out there. I mean, yeah, yeah, a lot of guys out there. So interesting to, interested to see how they react to that. Yeah, I mean, and the Dolphins coming off of what was really kind of a, a good start to a game and then just pathetic mm-hmm. from that point on. I mean, they were up 14 to nothing against the Steelers on Monday night. It looked like they were going to run away with it, and you kind of knew that the Steelers would crawl their way back into it, unfortunately, because just it's this is my life. Uh, but ultimately, <laughs> they end up you know looking like the Dolphins that we come to expect week in and week out, and it's looking more and more and shaping up like that Week 16 matchup against Cincinnati is going to be the tank for Tua Bowl, and I, I'm I'm here for it. I mean, it's going to be. It's going to be a nightmare. We talk about the dumpster fire of the week. That, my friend, will be the dumpster fire of the century. <laughs> I, I'm going to be super interested to see who you're rooting for in that game because I'm not sure that uh, – yeah, I mean, we'll have – Large we'll, meteor. We'll... <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be very interested. I mean, we'll get to the Bengals here. Oh, actually, no, we won't. They're on by this week, so Thank I God. guess I'm – Let's just hear what, what what do you think about Ryan Finley going instead of Dalton? Sure, we can talk about it. I mean, I, I – um... I'll say this. I'm not surprised by the move, and I think it's actually the right move because you're already 0-8. I think mm. that the Bengals have come to the realization that Andy Dalton's probably not their future franchise quarterback at this point in his career. And I think that you want to see what you can get out of a fourth-rounder who played really, really good in the preseason with the supporting cast that they still do hope is going to be here next year. So if Ryan Finley does extremely well, maybe you got lucky and got a great – quarterback in the fourth round is that likely to happen absolutely not it's probably not especially behind that atrocious offensive line but if he does really well and surprises some people maybe maybe they give him a shot and if he doesn't do well which I think is what they expect then they can justify going out and spending a top three or four pick on the quarterback of the future so I think that's really what the move here is uh you know it sounds like they should get AJ Green back they should get Cordy Glenn back uh, so obviously, you know, there's some pieces that are getting healthier. Uh, so that, that'll help to see what you really have in Ryan Finley. But for Dalton, I just, I feel bad that this is the way it was going to end. He actually gets benched on his birthday today, which is just, it, it's just the most Bengals thing ever. Uh, so, you know, I'm sad for Andy Dalton because, you know, he, he was a guy who I think he exceeded expecta- expectations in a lot of ways for this Bengals team. I mean, just this past week, he became the first quarterback in NFL history to go eight and and oh and eight, so that's that's just amazing to me that 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 happened. But also, if you look back on his career, you can you can pick out a lot of positives that he was able to do. And sometimes it was with a little bit subpar roster. So I I, I feel bad that the offensive line got so bad, and you know you're you're you've got this new regime, and there were a lot of things that worked against him, all the injuries, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't think he's that bad, but. I think it's probably a blessing for both sides because Dalton very likely should get another shot and the Bengals should move on with all, you know, all steam ahead with not having any regrets about him not being the person of the future. That's how I feel about it. What do you think as a third party? No, I mean, I think you absolutely nailed it. It's a total, it's the move you have to make the head of the buy. You give him some time. I mean, the only, like you said, the only bad thing is it's on Dalton's birthday that they bench him. Um, you know, just looking at the numbers, like Maybe Dalton, it's a birthday present. He could have probably died behind that line <laughs> before the end of the year. 
It's true. It's all. Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, and, you know, I, I mean, I, I was going to say, like, relative to his career stats, he's, his numbers are actually, like, somewhat on par this year with what they've been. And that's incredible when you think of new regime, injured A.J. Green right before the season, no offensive lineman to speak of. And, you know, he's throwing to like out and hey, even John Ross gets hurt I, and they can't run block at all. Like you could argue that this is one of the I don't want to say better performances of Andy Dalton's career, but that, you know, this was definitely not the time he should have gotten bench. I, and I understand why they didn't or why they did do it. I just he, I don't think that he was nearly as bad, maybe as some might say, based on his numbers. So I, I just. I think that and Zach Taylor even, owned that. that. I mean, that's a really good point. And Zach Taylor owned that today in the comments that he made. You know, he said if you if, if, if people are going to look at this and they're going to say it's the quarterback's fault, he's getting benched. And he openly said it's absolutely not. We're looking for a spark. We want to see what we've got out of this kid. We know we're zero and eight, and we want to win the next eight games. Obviously, he knows they're not going to win the next eight games. He really just wants to see what do we have in this fourth round pick that we got, who looked really good in the preseason. That's what. Yeah. That's all this is. I mean, I, I think. Zach Taylor's doing all the right things in this situation. And it, the only, you know, like I said, you feel for Andy, but Zach Taylor's handling, handling this like the way a head coach should in this situation. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, there's a lot of good to come of it as a Bengals fan. I would say like, you just, you had to do it at this point. It would be, and honestly, I completely, honestly, I was a little surprised that they did it. Like I, I kind of figured they would wait another few weeks and I, I just I think it's a good sign. And I think you nailed it. Eight games is a good sample to know what you've got in Finley. I mean, you can't write off his career if he sucks. But I think that you can still say, look, I mean, either he's pointing in the right right direction or he's not. Like look, we look at Minshew, we look at Kyle Allen, we look at all these other backups. And I mean, it's it's just time to know, you know, what maybe you might have in this guy. And I, I think that to your point, I mean, this next pick they make is going to be a pivot point for the franchise. These next two picks, really the first and second rounders that they use. And so I, I think you owe it to yourself and your future to see what you've got on board right now and then just move forward from that. Maybe the smartest thing that they've done as a franchise in the last few years, honestly. And, and you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to do it with the healthiest the roster's been all season. So we'll see. That's enough about the Bengals. I didn't expect to talk that much about them. But, you know, they had, they had to deal. find themselves in the news uh, somehow and, and, and make me talk about them even when I, when I try to refuse to. But, no, it, <laughs> it is. It's a big deal for the franchise. And I know we've got a lot of uh, Bengals fans that listen. So, obviously, we, we definitely wanted to address it. Uh, but let's move back to the NFC North, aren't you? That's your your Chicago Bears, uh, your Chicago Bears. Yeah. They're three and four now. I mean, they. Th- I think we can we can talk about it. I was actually I was at a one year old birthday party watching the end of this game. Everybody there was a Bears fan, and just the look on their faces. And you know, I it's tough. I it's mean, just, Eddie yeah. Pinheiro missed two one a thirty three yarder and a forty one yarder to win it. The Bears had like fifty seconds left, and they chose to take a knee and run the clock down. Uh, they could have, at the very least, they could have centered the ball and got it to the, the middle of the field, but they probably could have gained another few yards as well. So the the very curious call by Matt Nagy, it looks like he, he's getting more and more conservative. Uh, I don't know if he's seeing the same type of ghost that Sam Darnold saw against the <laughs> Patriots, but I feel like that field goal from last year against these Eagles keeps coming back to haunt him. And here we are, the Bears on the road taking on the Eagles. They come in as underdogs as well uh when you look here on Bovada they're coming in as five point underdogs are the Bears 
And I am hammering anyone playing the Bears repeatedly at this point, especially this Eagles team that I think found something last week in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, look, that that kick is, you're absolutely right, it's haunting them. And it's not just the kick, obviously. It's also the ineptitude of the quarterback and the fact that Matt Nagy doesn't trust him. I mean, that's just a fact. Like, I get, you know, maybe they could run it a few times, but so much of it hinges on Mitch Trubisky and having absolutely no faith in him. Um, You know, it's 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 amazing. Even as a Trubisky, let's say, quote unquote, hater here, I I I think I don't even think you're a hater anymore. I think you were just right earlier than everybody else. (laughs) I I, he is just he's not a good quarterback. He's terrible. He misfired Taylor Gabriel multiple times down the field. I like I and I think that I actually believe in Matt Nagy. I think that he's a good good game planner and a good coach. But like you said, seeing goes with a kicker, seeing goes with a quarterback. And I think it's taking him out of his own vibe. And like he's lost, he's just sort of lost the freedom. You know, you get in a tempo as a play caller, you notice it all the time. Um, and he's just completely lost right now with this Bears team. Yeah, it's 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 really bad. And obviously they, they need a win here before it gets even worse. And then you start to get the questions. If they go three and five here, then you're going to start to get the questions on whether or not you have to bench Mitch Trubisky. And I, I know that fans are already kind of calling for that. Um, mm-hmm. But is Chase Daniel the guy that, that you want to see what you have out of? I, I doubt it. I think Mitch Trubisky's the guy, regardless of how many games it takes, you ride him until the end of this season, and then if he still yep. stinks by the end of it, then you just say you were wrong, and you, and you swallow your pride and, and say you missed out on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, and yikes. Yeah, no, it's true. It's fair. I, I mean, I think I think you're right. For the same reasons we talked about Finley with the Bengals, you just have to sort of ride it out with Trubisky. It's not like... Chase Daniels leading you to the NFC title game, you know, probably not unless he's got some kind of Nick Foles magic. But yeah, I, I think you ha- you just have to know. You trade it up to the number two pick for Trubisky. You got to roll with him and just see what you got. But um, from like a fantasy perspective, I mean, the, like the, the over under is going to be low here because it's going to be in Philly. The weather's going to suck most likely, and you know you've got two pretty good run defenses and a very uh, still a pretty good pass defense in Chicago. So. Um, you know, it's it's not going to be a fun game to be starting any of these players. Honestly, like Zach Ertz has not been good either. And so, yeah, like, who are you who are you start? I think the best guy to start on either side right now is probably Allen Robinson. And that's, you know, you now you're at the mercy of Mr. Bisky. Yep. Good point. All right. Let's talk Colts Steelers. Uh, this one does not have a line. Uh, here on Bovada, but uh, the Colts coming in at five and two, they're coming off of one of the uglier games of the season with a 15 to 13 win over the Broncos. And it was Adam Benetieri who hits the 51 yarder after we've been hearing whether or not he's just going to call it and retire midway through the season because of how bad he's been. Uh, but he's able to get the Colts the win and uh, the Steelers coming off of the ugly win against Miami. I mean, I don't know what to make. These are two teams. I, I, this is, I, I don't know. Are we sure either one of these two teams are good? I mean, I think we know the Steelers aren't very good. I, they're the wins that we've seen, especially in prime time against the Bengals and the Dolphins. First of all, a combined zero and fifteen, and second of all, the Steelers needed to pull out their bag of tricks to make these things work. James Connor's got James Connor got banged up last week. It sounds like he's going to play probably next week, but he's not going to be at a hundred percent. I just I'm gonna buy into the Colts again. Like I, I just I think that division is coming to them now with the JJ Watt injury. It's trending in a good direction. Jacoby Brissett had an absolutely absurd finish to that last game. I know it wasn't a great, pretty win like you alluded to, but I mean it's it's still a good win. It's still a win for the Colts, and I kind of expect them to go on the road and beat these Steelers. 
Yeah, I mean, I would I would hope that they would. Uh, you know, the Steelers didn't really look to have much of a home field advantage, but they made some big plays after that slow start on Monday night. I, I don't know. I I don't think Mason Rudolph is you know going to beat you, but he, the, the, some of the coverages last night. I don't know if you saw that. T- I, I assume that you saw that touchdown Miami had, yes. or excuse me, um, Deontay Johnson Deontay. for Pittsburgh had right before the half. But the the prevent defense, whatever they were running, they had like two two deep, and then they blitzed everybody else. It was the most absurd coverage I've ever seen, and it was like third and eighteen. What, like, what are you it doing? I, it, that's like a play where it's like, okay, we're trying, we're literally, we're just, we're literally trying to lose, and we're going to make it blatantly obvious. But I don't think that was really talked about as much. That was one of the worst defensive calls I've ever seen in my entire life. It was so bad. It was just, it was like the, you know, the waters cleared, and he just. Deontay Johnson was just free to run right through the middle of the field like it was it's wide you know, open it was, like it was a 10-yard like, pass it was almost like the end of games where you see teams try to let the other team score it literally felt like that and so yeah I, I, I probably don't like uh, maybe I won't go that far I mean I, I know uh, Howard gets hurt in this game uh, for for Miami as well I mean maybe they still lose it in the second half they probably do but like that totally changes the momentum of the game at halftime for the home team like it just it, it's it's pathetic yeah, I think they're like I, they're gaming. Like it's gamesmanship at that point. Like we're trying to lose and we don't care. I know. That's it's what that, I hate about tanking. Yeah, I know. I, and it's different in football, I think, than other sports. But you know that that one definitely seems like like an on the field move to tank. I mean, it's that being said, you don't want to go zero and sixteen. I mean, that gets you fired as a coach. So that would be particularly terrible. It's just that's you know that that looked bad for sure. And then. After the he game, they put Zayden out. If you go 0-16, you probably do. I know that they don't have a good roster at all. They but I don't, think, I don't think if the Bengals go 0-16, Zach Taylor should get fired. Well, if they lose to Miami, he should. I, I feel like Miami would say the same thing about Brian Flores, right? Like that they that he shouldn't get fired if they go 0-16. They are terrible. And they didn't even come in with a good quarterback or any pieces. Like as bad as you think the Bengals are, the Dolphins are on another level of sucking and trying to suck, I think, from a GM standpoint. That's true. I think they're averaging like a – it's like a 30-point 30, 30 uh, before before <laughs> before Monday. Like they're averaging like 28 points is like the spread. It's, yeah. it's, just, it's just been atrocious. Um, so, yeah, enough about the Dolphins. Let's go to the last 12 o'clock game, Titans at Panthers. This is another one just still trying to kind of figure out what these teams are. Kyle Allen – uh, had a horrible game in his last outing. The Titans, you know, still maybe look okay. They do a number on Jameis Winston, but at this point, who hasn't? I'm ready to move on from him. Uh, <laughs> but but we'll talk about that later. What do you think of Titans Panthers? They've got uh, three and a half favorites at home for Carolina on Bovada. I do like Carolina here. I mean, yeah, last week looked bad, and again, at some point, we just have to acknowledge what the Niners are and their defense and the way that they just put the Panthers to bed after Carolina came off the bye. You'd think that Kyle would get better. That looks bad. That got the regression came pretty hard for him. And that was his first loss as a quarterback, which is wild. But yeah, I mean, now to get the Titans, like you said, just completely up and down. I don't know. If we can make anything out of that last Titans game either. Ryan Tannehill threw for like a hundred yards and a couple touchdowns just because, you know, he had short fields. They were turning James over left and right. And so, you know, I, I I think this is an interesting game. I still think the Panthers deserve to be favored. I, again, refuse to trust the Titans in any way until they string together like five straight wins, but they seem to have found a little something in Ryan Tannehill offensively. So 
maybe things will get going for them. They have a talented, you know, receiver core. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll have to see. I just, I like Carolina at home here. Yeah. Tannehill had two touchdowns in the first half and about 10 yards passing. Um, obviously it got a little bit better than that as the game went on, but, uh, James Winston, man, he's he's going to give you some good field position without having to receive a punt. Uh, it's it's just it's gotten laughable at this point. I don't even know what to make of it, but I think that this might. You know, we talked about Mariota. He was a name that you know was floated out there a little bit during this trade deadline. Titans said they didn't want to trade him, so maybe I, I don't know what they're thinking with that. But you know, I think Tampa Bay and and Tennessee are going to have a decision to make with those two that were drafted one and oh, two yeah. in that class, right? Yep, I know That's James right. is one. Okay. That's the 12 o'clock or the 1 o'clock games if you're in the Eastern time zone. We want to tell you about our friends over at Podcast One before we get to the late game. And guess what, Anshu? It's your favorite team, the official Lakers podcast. If you like Anshu and I's show, you are going to love the official Lakers podcast on Podcast One. Join Emmy Award-winning sports reporter Susie Schuster and co-host Aaron Larsel as they discuss the Lakers news of the day, break down the games from the week, and have exclusive interviews from players like LeBron James, coaches, and sports personalities. So don't miss the official Lakers podcast every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. All right, aren't you? I promised we'd move on to the late games. I think it's time. Let's do it. We just talked about Jameis Winston. I would love to bury him a little bit more. So let's move on to Buccaneers Seahawks. The Seahawks obviously favored here, six and a half points at home. And maybe the Seahawks now have the best home field advantage since Kansas City just can't seem to get it done at home. Maybe. Yeah. I absolutely don't understand this line. I feel like the Seahawks are runaway favorites here in my mind for based on what we saw of Tampa last week. And, you know, I, I was re-listening our show last week and, you know, we were talking about how we were unsure about this Buccaneers team. I'm, I feel pretty sure that that Rams game was just a complete fluke. Don't you like that just seems like a, an aberration when you look at the rest of their season. It's so frustrating thinking about it though, because they could easily come out and Jameis will have one of those games where he doesn't make those mistakes. And if those mistakes don't happen, even if that play, there was a uh, play that got called dead that they returned for a touchdown the Buccaneers. I think it was a was it a punt or was it a field goal? Mm-hmm. I think it was in the first late in the first half. They return it for yeah, if that play have. doesn't get called dead, blown dead. That they probably win this game. And we're talking about it differently. But Jameis Winston makes stupid, stupid mistakes constantly. It just constantly just, happens. But every two or three games, he right. doesn't make those mistakes. And then you're like, wait, this is exactly what I what I thought we were getting out of Jameis, and this is the potential. But the difference with Jameis and other quarterbacks is he doesn't learn. He always tries to force it. He always tries to press the issue too much. And he's just – I just think it's in his nature that he thinks he is – I know Bruce Arians compared it to you know thinking he's Superman. And I just – I don't think he can get that out of his system. I want to believe that he can because I'm a fan. He won a national championship with my Knowles. But I'm at the point now where even if he does go out against a good Seahawks defense – and throw for four or five touchdowns, have no interceptions, I'm still writing him off as done. I don't care because the next week he's just going to come back and do it again. Fool me fool me six times, Jameis, or a million or however many it's been. <laughs> I'm done with you, dude. I don't care how good you look this week. And you probably – this will be one of those games. I don't think it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did. And I don't care about that because I'm done with him. Yeah, that's an epic rant and very fair. I mean – 
it's so funny because I'm looking at this matchup and I see Jameis Winston on one side and I see Russell Wilson on the other. Can you think of two more different quarterbacks when it comes to taking care of the ball, being smart, taking what the defense gives you? I mean, and, you know, talent wise, you, you could argue Jameis is more talented. Like, I, I mean, I don't think that's a crazy thought at all. It's just that there's just that little thing in Jameis's head. And, and I always say this about Jay Cutler. Too, there was, it's just, <laughs> it's just that last filter that doesn't trigger for him, you know, and, and, and he just throws, he just trusts himself a little too much, even with great. And I mean, great receivers like Evans and Godwin and OJ Howard to a certain extent, like he, he just, he cannot stop himself from doing the dumb thing and costing himself the game where Russell Wilson rarely, if ever does that. And it's, it's like, if he just would, I don't know if watching him would help or what, I, I don't know. It's just, it's alarming to see two players doing the same thing um, on the opposite sides and doing it so, so differently. He should go back and try baseball. I mean, I could even, even little smock agrees with me. <laughs> she definitely does have national cat day for little smock today, by the way, but had to give her yeah. a little cameo. Had to. She she's deserved it, but uh, or no, not really. Yeah, Jameis. I don't know. It's I. I mean, and then on the other side, when you talk about it from a fantasy perspective, like I mean, Evans and Godwin have been so good, and you know they go to Seattle, and even with the twelves, I, I still think that they'll be able to get get it going. And so from a fantasy perspective, it's all good. But yeah, from like a real in game standpoint, it's just how do you possibly bet the Buccaneers in this spot? And I I look even though he's been in the the league longer, I look at. Jameis, like I look at Mitch Trubisky, I, like I, I think it's the exact same situation because why you're not going to bench him for Blaine Gabbert. You're just not, you're just not going to do that. And if you do it, oh. you, you, you're doing it just to prove a point. So either you prove the point or you just let him bury himself or you let him show that he, he can do it a few games in a row and then he fools you for one more season. But not me. I'm not getting fooled again with Jameis Winston. I'm done. Hey. I don't care if they win out. I'm done with him. Tom Monken had it right last year, didn't he? I mean, he benched him for, for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, it, it happened. So, um, you know, I think that Bruce Arians, you know, fancies himself the quarterback whisperer, and maybe he is to a certain extent, but he just cannot seem to get through to James. And I think if he can't, it's tough to know if anyone will be able to. Yeah, he's going to need to do more than whisper to get through <laughs> to James Winston. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. All right. Lions Raiders. This one's also at the three Oh five slot. I love how they stagger the games. I was talking about this with somebody last week. When we were, why don't they do that for the early games too? There's so many more of them. They should stagger them by 20 minutes. It would yeah. make it more fun. I, I, the NFL gets a lot of things right, but uh, for all they get right, they get probably twice as much wrong, but here we are doing a podcast about them. So it's working. All right. Lions Raiders. This is another one. Uh, two teams still very much in the running, but uh, two teams that still very much have to rattle off some wins. Bovada's got the Raiders favored at home by two, a big over under at 50 and a half. And I think this could be a quarterback explosion. We thought we'd see that a few times this year and we're wrong, but I think these two can go off. I mean, I definitely think Stafford can go off. I worry a little bit about Derek Carr against this defense. I, I, I still am a With believer in the line. of the year coming off of, though, three-touchdown performance. I mean, I still like Derek yeah. Carr. I, I, I'm not ready to give up on him, but I, I, I could see talk – me, talk me out of it. No, I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. I just – I think that – like, especially with Tyrell Williams back, they're definitely a better offense for sure. Now they're playing at home. I, but I like Darius Slay matched up with Tyrell Williams. I think that Justin Coleman is one of the most underrated corners in the league. He'll be guarding the slot. 
Um, and, you know, they, not having Quandre Diggs is a, is a problem with Darren Waller running free. Um, but I, I do like that Lions defensive front as well and trying to slow down Josh Jacobs. I, I, I don't get why the Raiders are favored here. I don't. I just I think that the Lions are a better team, that they've had some unfortunate losses, including to my Packers, and, um, and that I just think that they're a better team than the Raiders right now. And that's not really an indictment of Carr. I just I think that the Lions have a pretty – pretty damn good secondary and I think that it's going to be tougher for Carr to get going against them than what happened like against the Texans last week where they were down their top three corners yeah I mean I I could see where you're coming from on that I I I don't know what to make of the Raiders though I mean I I I am a little surprised that they're favored I wouldn't be surprised to see this like at an even line but clearly clearly people are probably betting on them I mean I I don't know I this is a tough one for me and I'm probably it's probably a stay away for me but I I I mean, they they did play the Texans tough. I don't know if the Texans are really good. I, I'm still kind of torn on that. I, this is this is definitely one that I'd have I'd have trouble convincing myself one way or another on. I just I don't know what to make of either team at this point. Hey, I mean, look, I the one thing I will say: last week we gave some credit to Cliff Kingsbury. I think John Gruden deserves a ton of credit for this team. Like, I mean, it's easy to make fun of him because he's such a a weirdo, basically. But <laughs> you know, it like. To beat to win at Indianapolis, to beat the Bears at a neutral site before this whole thing went to you know crap, and I just I I don't know. I think that they're a better team than people give them credit for, and then probably could have easily won against the Texans. But that all being said, I, I think that the Lions are just a little bit underrated right now because of their record, and and I think that they're a better team than the Raiders right now. But that being said, like the Raiders, if they win this game, and let's say again the Chiefs don't play with Matt Moore, now the Raiders are a game back. And, you know, they've got games left against the Chiefs. They could make this somewhat interesting down the stretch. Yeah, maybe. I Good. mean, I, 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 I hope they do. I mean, I'd rather I, – I'd like to see the Raiders be better. I, I just In don't know that they season. have – I just don't know nope. that they have the weapons – for Carr, I mean, I know Waller's had a great year. I know Josh Jacobs is 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 good. Uh, they need they needed AB as much as I hate the idiot. Yeah, they needed him, and sure. he would have made such a difference for this team. But the other team in that division has going is going to have more problems than than probably any, and that's the Denver Broncos, who will finish out the three o'clock slate with. And this is a big revenge game for the Cleveland Browns. They they have revenge for the drive and the fumble, aren't you? <laughs> um, so the Browns go on the road to Mile High, where they've struggled before. The Browns two and five, coming off the big loss to the Patriots. The Broncos coming off of an, another tough loss to the Colts, and you have Vic Fangio getting criticized by Joe Flacco. And Joe Flacco got so angry with Vic Fangio in his post game interview that he broke his <laughs> neck and he won't play football probably ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so absurd yeah herniated disc for uh for joe flacco apparently based on the comments he made about vic fangio <laughs> and the broncos turn around and go to the future of their team 27 year old brandon allen who i had not really world heard beater of until this. world beater brandon allen they won't even go to their first round or what second round picture lock until probably three or four weeks from now so man this is ugly it is <laughs> I mean, if, if the Browns can't go on the road and win this game, just, I mean, even if they do, I don't know how you can believe in them. But if they don't, this this thing is all but over. And you have to wonder if Freddie Kitchens gets the axe if this one gets really ugly. I, honestly, it, it's it's gotten that bad for them. 
Yeah, I mean, with the expectations they come into the season with, I mean, obviously there's offensive line issues. Obviously the play calling hasn't been great. Obviously Baker Mayfield is worse than everybody expected him to be in Cleveland. But this team still has a boatload of talent. They're going to get Kareem Hunt back here. I don't know if it's next week or the following week. Uh, he should he add another dimension out of the backfield, at least as a pass-catching running back. And then, they, you know, they have Nick Chubb, who's having a fantastic year. Odell Beck, he's had issues getting things started, but – I, 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 you know, with the amount of talent that they have, and I know Denver's, just, you know, if you're a Denver fan, you're going to say they still have a good defense. You wouldn't be surprised if this stays close. If this stays close, the Browns are dead, completely Got dead. It. I don't, I, I think, yeah. I don't think they need to just win a close game here in Denver. I think they need to come in and do what they did to Baltimore earlier this year. They need to put a whooping on somebody that they should put a whooping on. And we really, aside from that Baltimore game. We really haven't seen that. Yeah, they beat the Jets. The Jets are nothing. Without Darnold. Yeah. Right, and they I, get killed by the, the by Tennessee opening night. It's just, you know, you could say they played the Patriots tough and they were able to run the ball and it, well, if it weren't for turnovers. But no, there were a lot of really, really bonehead mistakes in that game. Baker Mayfield looked maybe a peg ahead of what Jameis Winston has looked like at times. And I think he's still leading the league in interceptions, if I'm not mistaken. So it, it needs cool. to be fixed right now. For sure. I mean, look, it, I agree with you. I think that this is this is the pivot point for their season. They go to Denver this week without Joe Flacco and even with Joe Flacco, they should win that game. No Emmanuel Sanders either for the Broncos, obviously. Then they get Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Miami at home in a row. I mean, they should if a, a talented playoff team probably goes three and one in this stretch. Right. If not four and oh, then they have at Pittsburgh, Cincinnati at Arizona, Baltimore at home at Cincinnati. I mean, there's still time for them to fix this whole thing, but it really starts this week. And if they lose this, I have a feeling it's all going to go to shit and they're going to, they're going to end up being in the tank for the rest of the year. We agree on that, my friend. All right. I, I said that was the last game of the three o'clock slate. That was an unintentional troll of you, my friend, as the Packers <laughs> are going to, to LA. I just kind of assumed that the Packers were playing uh, in prime time because they have every week this year, but it's been for good reason. They are, Seven and one, your Packers are on a roll. Aaron Jones playing his best football of his career. Aaron Rodgers is starting to look in peak form, and the Chargers have been reeling. Obviously, they get lucky with the missed field goal in Chicago, uh, but the Chargers need a win, and the Packers have been rolling. Something's got to give. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, I, look, the, the Chargers have been so bad. They had lost five of six before that win at the Bears. Probably should be six of seven right now. They only score 16 or 17 points in that game. Their offense has just sucked. I mean, if you look at their last few games, 13 points, 17 points, 20, and then 17 again. Like, that is not good. Now they play the Packers, whose defense has been better, not great, but better and than last year. And, and you know, they're going to be playing at, at quote-unquote home. There will be more Packers fans than Chargers fans at this game. I guarantee you that. And so, um, you know, I, I just – I don't – I don't want to sound like too much of a homer, but I fully expect the Packers to go there and win this game. And I, I just, what the Chargers are right now is not, Trash. you know, they're, they're not what they are. The Gordon holdout good. was a horrible decision in hindsight. I know he said he would never do it again, but he looks like a shell of himself. He I mean, really he, does. He doesn't look like, he's I know cost they himself money. That too. I mean, he, he's, he doesn't look like the same person at all. I mean, not. I know they've played good defenses, but he he's he's looked horrible. Yeah, I mean, and especially in contrast to Austin Eckler, who before that was their number one fantasy, you know, running back for the and on pace to break every. I think he was going to have the best receiving season since um, 
Curtis Martin or Marshall, Marshall Falk? Marshall Falk. Wow. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I don't doubt it. I mean, Christian McCaffrey obviously was right there too, but that, like Eckler was so good. And, and, you know, obviously the injuries always hit the Chargers, but they're getting semi-healthy offensively now. Henry is back and they've got all these pieces. How do they only score 17? I know the Bears defense is good, but scoring that few, those, that few amount of points, I think that your point on Gordon is really well taken because I think Anthony Lynn just fills the need to, you know, give the ball to Gordon and it's taking away from the the tempo of their offense. Yeah, and they had chances in Chicago. I mean, I know Keenan Allen dropped the, the touchdown pass. Hunter Henry had a couple drops in that game and really across the board, I mean, it wasn't Phillip Rivers' fault, but they couldn't get things going. There were some drops that killed drives. There were some bad throws that made that that, that killed drives. And obviously, that's going to happen when you're going up against one of the best defenses in the league, but you know, they 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 just you're going to play good defenses in the NFL often. And if you're a team that had, you know, AFC champion hopefuls coming into this year, like the chargers did, you know, yeah, you've, you've had uh, issues with the team being healthy, but that offense, you know, you, you've got to get things going at some point. And at three and five, we talked about how the Browns season is still somewhat salvageable at three and five. The chargers could still make a run as well. You just mentioned it with the Raiders. We talked about the health of Patrick Mahomes. The Mm -hmm. chargers are still talented enough that they, they could make a run and that defense you know, as bad as it's been at times, there's still a lot of good players on that defense, and they just need to put pressure on the quarterback. That's been when when Aaron Rodgers is not at his best, he's outside of the pocket, uh, and and you know, obviously he's had some big plays outside of the pocket. Yeah. Most recently, this past weekend, but if you can put pressure on him, obviously that that makes it a little more difficult, and I think that's what they're going to have to do. I just don't know if I see it, and I agree. I think the Packers come away with a win. Yeah, no, I agree with the Rodgers comment. And I mean, if you look at, again, the schedule for the Chargers, I mean, they they were eyeing two and six in the face and said in their, you know, if they're three and five, they've got, now they've got the Packers and they've got uh, the, the Raiders and Kansas City before the bye. So they've got a chance to win a couple games here against divisional opponents than Denver, Jacksonville, Minnesota, Oakland, Kansas City. Again, like they, they could do this and your boy, Derwin James, is coming back soon. I believe in the next two weeks he's eligible to come back. So if they can just string, grab another win or two here, um, you know, they have the chance to make a run, but they have to – I'm not worried as much about their defense. It's their offense that really scares me because that – this is a team that needs to score points, and the fact that their offense hasn't been doing it is a little bit scary. It is. Maybe it's a Philip Rivers regression, but I mean, he's he still looks like Philip Rivers. It's you know, I don't know. He we'll does see. for better for worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> indeed. And he 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 said it after that game last week against uh, Chicago. We we need to score points, and uh, yeah. that was the most John Madden quote ever. But it, it, it's when it comes to this Chargers <laughs> offense, it couldn't be more true. All right, we've got a big one on Sunday night: Patriots at Ravens. Are the Ravens for real, Anshu? Bovada does not think so. They've got him as four-point home dogs. What do you think? I actually like the Ravens plus four quite a bit here, coming off the bye, two weeks off. I mean, we've talked ad nauseum about how how New England's schedule has been kind of a joke this year. This is their first decent offense they're playing all season, again, with the exception of that, you know, the Roethlisberger thing on week one, and apparently he was banged up anyway. I just I, I kind of think that the Ravens with the two weeks off are, are going to be a really interesting matchup for them. And I think that it's just tough to prepare for a quarterback like uh, like Lamar Jackson. And I, I think that that, you know, this under is likely to hit. But I, I do think that Baltimore is going to keep it close and possibly even win it. I don't know. I, I The Patriots, they definitely have shown at times that there is a recipe for beating them. I 
mm-hmm. think that this is a true testament to, to how good Lamar Jackson is for sure. Um, aren't you? Yeah. I, I know you talked a little bit about it, but uh, you know, if, if he's able to, 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 to not turn the ball over in this game, I, 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 I that's been the, the key. I mean, it, with new England, they turn everybody over. They turn those turnovers into points. I mean, how many defensive touchdowns I, I, the, the, I know there was a crazy stat. They would be over 500 right now if their offense didn't take the field. Oh my god! Isn't that amazing? That's insane. I mean, you, like, th- look, you think about fantasy. This is a fantasy sports show. In our league, the league that you and I are in together, and our scoring is a little bit wonky, but the defensive scoring is pretty standard. The standard, Patriots yeah. are the number five overall fantasy player. That's insane. I, I like if you just luckily in our league, he's they're owned by easily the worst owner in the league, so it's fine. But. If it was, you know, a better owner, then, you know, that's a that, it's a cheat code. We've said yeah. it before there. It's not fair that you get to tie them to, you know, Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook or somebody else. You know, a lot of teams out there for listeners on the show or to the show are, have that combination. And congrats on you likely being like six and two so far, because, you know, if you aren't, then you've just had bad luck. That That's how good the Patriots defense has been. They're the MVP of the season so far. Yeah, and I just I have to imagine that at some point, just because of how good they've been, there will be some level of there negative regression. No and doubt. I would expect that if Lamar Jackson is as good as Baltimore thinks he is, and he's shown at times. I mean, he's we talk about where the Patriots are. He's he's top top ten. I mean, I, he might be top five in a lot of scoring mm-hmm. uh, scoring formats. If he's that good, this is the game to prove it. And at home, that'll help. Uh, I, I don't think the Patriots are going to go 16-0 and this season. So, you know, I, plus four is – that's probably just enough for me not to take the Ravens. But I think if it were plus six, I, I, I think I'm betting the Ravens all day, and I think most people would. But I think this game's going to be close is what I'm, was, what I'm ultimately getting at. I agree with you. Um, New England – I, I agree with you. I, I, this is a great, great commentary on what Lamar Jackson is and what he could be. I mean, if he can just keep this close and score some points against this vaunted defense, I think that it would go a long, long way, both in terms of Baltimore's confidence, in terms of the rest of the league's confidence. Because, look, if, if the Patriots destroy them again, um, it's it's just going to feel like there aren't many teams that can do it. Uh, yeah, but they, but- yeah, they have... They have at Baltimore, then by, then at Philly, Dallas, at Houston, Kansas City. So it gets a little tougher for this New England defense. Yeah, what I was going to say is this also is the toughest test for New England. Not only have they not seen a team this good, but they haven't seen a quarterback like this at all this year. And, Mm. you know, they may have a little bit of – just because it's so much different than what they've seen and they've played a lot of really, really bad teams and they've made really, really bad quarterbacks make – look even worse than they are. Uh, you know, I, I think Lamar Jackson, just because of his ability to, I mean, he's got 576 rushing yards so far this year. He, he, he could give that defense fits that they have not really had to deal with so far this year. So I don't know that I'm there with the Ravens winning this game, but I think it'll be closer than, uh, than that probably the, the, the toughest test that the Patriots have seen and, and we'll see for a bit. Yep. Agreed completely. All right, let's close it out. We're going back to the NFC East with the Cowboys at the Giants. And uh, the Cowboys could use a win here. Uh, the Giants, I, you know, uh, they have Saquon back now. Daniel Jones, every other week he plays really, really well. And it's usually the week that he's playing against me in fantasy that he has a big week. Uh, but what do you make of it? Do you, are you a believer in him? Do you think the Cowboys can get right here on the road here in New York? I, I do think that the Cowboys can get right. I think off the bye that, you know, they will hand the reins back over to Kellen Moore from Jason Garrett, or they'd be smart to because, you know, this 
And last we saw them, they were doing a good job against that Eagles defense and really putting them in a world of hurt. Um, I, I just, the Giants are so, so much worse at home. And while that crowd should be there and pretty be pretty loud for this Giants team, I just, you know, they know what this team is. It's a rebuild, rebuilding team, and this Cowboys team off a of bye, I think, will we'll be ready and have a lot of, you know, Amari's going to be healthier. Gallup will be healthier. I just expect them to, Tyron Smith will be healthier. I think that they'll be at full go on offense, and that's that's just too much firepower for the Giants to make up for. I sure hope so. I could I could use a big game out of pretty much everybody on Dallas. Um, I know we went through each game, and I know we have four buys this week. We mentioned the Bengals, the Falcons, Rams, and Saints are also on a buy. Aren't you? I'd love to hear a sleeper for you for this week from a fantasy standpoint in your shoe-in. Oh, man. All right, all right. So sleeper-wise, yeah, no, that's fair. My sleeper this week is a guy that I mentioned earlier, and that is – uh, Chris Conley from the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think that the Texans are going to be down their top three corners, possibly their top four corners. And I just think that the Jags are going to be throwing the ball a little bit. You know, whatever's left of the Texan secondary will be geared towards DJ Chark. And I, I believe that they're going to be able to throw the ball. And I believe that Chris Conley is going to be that guy. All right. I like that. All right, aren't you? I, we haven't done it. We've been so pressed with all of the football each weekend and week out. Uh, but there's a lot going on in the sports world. And by the time this show airs, they are maybe a World Series champion. But oh. since we're recording it right before this game, I guess it's just now starting. We're in the top of the first. I'd like to hear if Washington is able to pull this game off. It sounds like they're going to get Max Scherzer for Game 7 after he was dealing with spasms and some health issues. Do you think that the Nationals can break the curse and win a Game 7 if they can get – we're assuming that they're going to get through Houston on the road, which is a big if. But if they can do that, I want to hear why you make a case whether they can or can't win Game 7. Against Justin Verlander too, which doesn't make it a lot easier. But I I think that they can do it because of their pitching and their hitting has been so timely – um, you know, obviously all credit to the Houston coming back and they're very likely to win the World Series now by the time you listen to this. Good chance the Astros have already won it. But I, I just don't know how you can count out the Nats with Strasburg, with Scherzer, with Corbin likely to come out of the pen in one of these games. And, you know, with this offense, with Rendon and, you know, and obviously Juan Soto has been incredible at times. Um, Trey Turner, the whole group, I just... I really like what the Nationals have going. They just they they've got to get to these two awesome starting pitchers, and I that's the question. But if they if they're able to get it to a game seven, I just I don't know how you bet against Max Scherzer. Yeah, it's been tough. They've had what is it? I think it's three runs in the last three games. Am I right on yeah, that? Yeah, it's been okay. crazy. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been it's been tough sledding after the offensive explosions that we saw in games one and two. Um, but they're I mean, this is it. They they've got to get the bats going. So assuming that they do go game seven, that that could be one of the better I mean obviously we remember the Indians Cubs World Series and you know the the fireworks there, but this could be an interesting fi- finish to the, to to what's been kind of a very entertaining baseball playoffs. Even some upsets in the in these playoffs that we maybe didn't expect, and one of those is Washington being here to play in this World Series. So we'll see if they can do it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's been fun. Um, and then real sure. quick, I just wanted to just get your thoughts early on here. The NBA season is underway. There's some big injuries, obviously, that the teams are facing. But have you seen anything that's caught your eye here early on, just a few games into this very young NFL season? I know our, our fantasy league also underway. 
NBA, yeah. I mean, Kyrie Irving averaging 38 points a game is pretty amazing. Uh, I, I mean, that's not really a shocker that he's going to obviously carry that team for a while. He could end up putting up, I don't want to say Harden-esque numbers, definitely not efficiency-wise, but they – you know, they were a good team last year. I feel like they're going to defer to Kyrie a lot, which is not necessarily a good thing for him, but that could lead to some monster counts, uh, counting numbers. And Trey Young, man, Trey Young, like on that Atlanta team, as he gets bigger and, and you know, they kind of draw coverage away from him with some more young talent. He's just so good. I watched a little bit of the Hawks the other night, and, you know, he's I, I'm I'm really excited to see what he turns into. I think that he could be like an East Coast Lillard for that Hawks team. Yeah, I mean he's definitely looked good, and I like I like that Hawks young core. They've done a pretty good job of building something something young, and uh, they'll they'll have hopefully that core intact for for years to come. Uh, and I know yeah. that speaking of young cores, I know we haven't done a zero bias segment in a long while, and I know you're very cautious about giving the Bulls any credit, but they haven't looked bad to start the year, and you know obviously. <laughs> Obviously, the, the Cavs have gotten a you know they they got their first win under Coach Beeline. It was their their home opener, yeah. and they had the Fred McLeod uh, tribute. Obviously, Fred McLeod, their play by play analyst, passing away in the off season, and everybody wore a tie to the game to honor him. Uh, and I've I've liked a little bit of what I've seen out of the Cavs as well. So I just like to hear your thoughts on your Bulls here early on. Bulls suck. Um, <laughs> they have lost to Charlotte and the Knicks already. They're just I yeah they've been a little You've up shown and down. some things though. They have. They, I, I hate to admit that Kobe White has actually had some flashes, but also looked very erratic, which was my issue, main issue with him out of North Carolina. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they, you can tell that they're a talented team. I'm sure you would say the same about the Cavs. There, there's definitely talent on this Bulls team. It's a little bit further evolved um, because they've added some good veterans. Like, uh, you know, Thad Young is obviously one of them. Sadoransky looks good. Cornette's been pretty good, but they, you know, they're, they're just trying to figure themselves out together. And I, I just don't know if Jim Boylan's the guy to take them to wherever they need to go. But Markinen and Levine have been good. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be nothing if not interesting for the rest of the year, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, we're going to see the Cavs play the Bulls tomorrow. I mean, I'm kind of interested to, to, to watch that game uh, as well, just to kind of see two teams in the midst of a rebuild and, you know, having some veterans. I mean, Tristan Thompson for the Cavs has looked excellent so far this year. Kevin Love's looked pretty good, too. The, the issue with the with the Cavs, and, and this was their issue last year, is they, they don't defend anybody. There is literally – I've watched two of the, the three games they've played so far. There is somebody completely wide open, whether it's off of a screen that, that, that the guard didn't get through or just losing somebody on a backdoor screen. It, the, the defense has just been absolutely atrocious to a point where it's difficult to watch without screaming at the television. And that's that's when you know the team's bad. It's like I'm fine with you losing games because you're bad, but defend. Like yeah, play try. defense. Try. Look like you're trying. And, it, that's, and it, sure. it, that's the frustrating thing because the Cavs do have some fun, talented players on their team, and they're going to be fun to watch all year even if they only win 13 games. But I, I just I, – I, it's going to be difficult if they continue on this theme of like let's just not play defense. So that's why I'm kind of – Interested to see them play against the Bulls because obviously the Bulls are in a similar position. I'm interested to see them go up against the team in a similar situation to see if they're any better defensively. Because against the Bucks, I mean, they were in that game for two and a half, three quarters. In that fourth quarter, they just didn't play defense. Yeah, no, I, I think it, it's a good test for the Cavs because the Bulls are probably where the Cavs want to be like a year or two from now. But I, I think that they've got such a significantly better coach and better infrastructure that things will go more quickly and more interestingly for them. But yeah, from a defensive perspective, I mean, 
the Bulls set records for points given up in their in a half to the Hornets in week in the first game of the season. And, you know, so from from a D perspective, yeah, like I think that there's there's definitely some mirror imaging there. All right. Well, we've we've got a big game tomorrow, and then a big weekend Huge. ahead on to. So, I mean, I much I, huger. Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot going on. But uh, with that being said, that was the week nine NFL preview. Is there anything you wanted to add before we let our listeners finalize their week and we let ourselves get to our early weekend? Yes. Hopefully, we make it back for next week, but uh, no promises. Yeah, we can't make a promise there. So, with that. <laughs> Our time has come to an end on the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour for Josh, for, for Josh, for Anshu Khanna. I'm Josh Dunn. We'll see you guys next week.